Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as... Nitty and I have a conversation about the mundane. One thing we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating, so you can feel free to just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. And I'm your co-host, Nidhi Kana. Marco, I got a bit of feedback from uh, a colleague of mine who was listening to our podcast while traveling lately. Right. And she was listening while she was on the plane, and she said that uh, she has trouble falling asleep when she's on um, a, a plane. And she had a she was traveling for business, and it was really important that she got a nap. So she put on our podcast and actually fell asleep. So wow. I was very very happy about that. I never I never thought of this podcast being a podcast for travel, but. It would be a nice thing to have to listen to when you're on a flight and you need a distraction if you worry when you're on flights or if you can't sleep on flights because of the noise of the flight attendants or the person next to you if they're moving around or, you know, bumping your elbow. Or all those noises that happen on the plane. Sure. Or, you know, when you're in the air and, you know, you're trying to get comfortable, the lights are dim if you're going on a long long flight and everyone's kind of sleeping and whatnot and you're sitting next to the person who has the light on and they're clicking away click 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 on their computer and you're like i just need a distraction and you can't listen to the music that's on the plane anymore or watch any more movies because they're just going to keep you up well then listen and sleep with us the insomnia project so that's so wonderful to hear that your colleague or your friend was able to uh use us as a means of sleep we should mention that uh, if you do have any comments like that of course you can tell us directly or you can go to our twitter handle at listen and sleep and let us know how you use our podcast marco i want to talk about nail care for a second um Nail care traditionally has been something that I think has been more towards the female segment of the population. Sure, like sure. Piling your nails, going for a manicure. Of course. But you yourself are a hand model, and so you have a very um, uh, 
elaborate nail care regime that you go you through. You could partic- say that. Uh, yeah, particularly when you're booking a, uh, a hand gig. That's right. We should um, just state there because a lot of people are going to think perhaps we're pulling their leg. But in fact, I have and I continue to do hand work for both print and television. And I've worked with um, some large organizations from a cola company that I'm sure you're well acquainted with uh, to a furniture company furniture company to a paint product company mm-hmm. to a fast food chain I've done handwork for all those people so it's true I am a hand model and I think what we will do is maybe post a picture of your hands oh. on social media so sure. people can see what we're talking about because when I first saw your hands I wasn't thinking immediately oh he must be a hand model but it's interesting um, you should say that I've always and I say this to friends of mine and people say how did you get into hand modeling or hand work and I've always disliked my hands really I have my dad has really big hands so really big workers hands and I always thought as a child I would have big worker hands and I don't my hands are pretty well, they're not dainty by any no, means. No, but they're not. They're, they're not. You wouldn't look at my hands and think, "Oh, those are strong hands that okay. uh, do construction or work the land." Right. Right. So, um, I think that's because of your elaborate nail care. Yeah, perhaps it is. But um, when I was shooting a commercial one day, the director liked my hands and sent the hand model home. And the crew said, "You have very steady hands, which is a trait that one needs." If you're holding a product and they're doing a close-up, for example, on a tablet for headaches that I did, they got an extreme close-up of my hand and they had to, um, you know, show the product in my hand. So as a result of that, I do have an extreme nail regime or hand regime, I should say. I make sure that my nails are kept nice and trim, but not too trim because they like to see a little bit of white around the nail Mm -hmm. or... Yeah, the, the top of the nail, I guess you could say. And I make sure that my cuticle is well moisturized so that it is um, never dry and crackling. And I use a bunch of different products for my hands. And you would think, what would you think that the product I use? I'm going to say that you use some sort of, um, you know, very expensive moisturizing hand repair lotion of some sort I do not what I found that works best on my hand is products that is you that are used for livestock so for example uh, for my nails I use a cream that they use on horses hooves to keep them strong but to keep my hands really moisturized I use this product called bag balm which is a product that um dairy farmers will use on the udders of their uh, dairy cows because the milking machine will be very abrasive on the udders and as a result uh, they can get little scratches and whatnot and they can get chafed and so they use this product on their cows to make sure that the udders are supple and soft and um, if there's any sort of cut it gets repaired and so at night I will use this product called bag balm on my hands and I'm telling you the next day my hands are soft and supple and really quite lovely and so do you have to use um, 
um, any sort of protective like gloves on top of that? Or? Sometimes I'll wear gloves if I'm if I know I have something that I'm filming and I'm leaving the home. I will make sure that I have gloves on, which is fine during the winter. It looks very normal, but in warmer months, wearing oh, yes. gloves outside seems a little strange. But injuries to hands will happen. The majority of injuries that happen to hands will be knives in the sink or with doors. You don't realize that because you open doors all the time, but there's always a door that is either stuck or opens too fast and you cut your hand or you crush your hand or you nick your hand and people on the street might bump into you. I had a cyclist run into me one day when I had a hand um, commercial I was filming the next day and luckily it was in the summertime. I had gloves on and nothing happened and I remember people looking at me strange because I had gloves on but I was so grateful that day that I was wearing gloves when the cyclist who shouldn't have been on the sidewalk ran into me what is your hand regime your or your nail care regime well I'm a little embarrassed to say it now Marco after that but uh, I have a very simple uh hand care regime I um I mean, I would go for a manicure, pedicure every once in a while. But for my nails, particularly my fingernails, I don't like having very long fingernails. Oh. Yeah, your your fingernails are actually very short. short. They have a really nice shape. Like, they're naturally round, which I like. And so I I have minimal filing needs. Mm -hmm. Um, I could probably use a bit of the cuticle oil that you use. Um, but I like kind of a sh- I hardly ever wear nail polish on my fingernails. I right. prefer to focus on my feet with regards to any sort of nail care, but uh, I'm very, very low maintenance with them. Why don't you wear any polish on your nails? I find it cumbersome because after a few days it'll start chipping sure. and my nails actually grow incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. And so... Even if I were to put... So I had gel nails for a really long time. What is a gel nail? I don't so even know what that is. So a gel nail was kind of all the rage before they had this whole shellac movement, which shellac is nail polish that um, essentially um, the material that it's made out of uh, lasts quite long on your oh, on your nails. So but it's bef- a very strong sort of polish? Is correct. that safe to say? Correct. Um, but before that, a lot of people used to get gel nails and those nails um would last uh, a long time as well but it would go over under a uv light but is that a fake nail or is that your actual nail it it goes onto your actual nail so it's like a a a fake nail that that gets glued to your nail is that correct it's not a fake nail the way uh i mean yes i guess sort of so it's not a fake nail in the way that you'll see sort of those p-gloss those nails. Those press-on nails. Exactly. Right. It is like a coating that goes onto your nails that they put under UV lights um, to kind of melt it into your nail, for lack of a, a better word. Melt polish or melt of that whatever that like substance. a plastic nail? I get yeah. it, it, it. It's it, not a plastic nail. It's uh, like a gel. Uh, okay, so a gel-type nail that will harden when yes, you do that? Yes, correct. Okay. So I used to get that done very long, but uh, for, for a really long time. But what I noticed was my nails would grow so quickly that I would have to continuously get them re-gelled uh, and filled right. um, over and over on, on too frequent a basis and so 
it would really ruin my nails. And when I took off my gel nails for the last time, it took me a few months for my nails to get back to their normal um, state, I guess. I see. Healthy state. So I no longer do that. And similar to that in, in with shellac, the problem is my nails grow so quickly that by the time I'm a week or so in, like it's very noticeable and I have to const- constantly go back to the nail technician to oh, I see. get them redone and I just don't have time for that well there you go there you go that's uh, <laughs> Nidhi's uh, nail care regime exactly and, minimalist um, nail care regime I really dislike going to the manicurist and I'll have to go every once in a while when I book a gig and they're like go see a manicure or a manicurist and get a manicure uh, because they often want to um, shape my nails in not the half moon shape that they're in, but more in a longer or um, square shape. And right. that's not what they want on camera. So right. I'm often um, really coarse when I'm talking to these people who are doing my nails and saying, no, no, don't do it like that. And so it's often I go to get my nails done at a manicure shop and it is not a good time for me. And sometimes I'll go with... Uh, Amanda, so my wife will my wife will uh, come with me to get my nails done, and I will. She usually finds it very relaxing and therapeutic, but when she goes with me, she gets stressed because she's like, "You're always so tense when they're doing your nails." It's funny that you should mention uh, your wife Amanda. Uh, we've done a few episodes now, and one of the recurring themes that we mm-hmm. seem to run into is uh, um, talking about your wife who is not only your wife but uh, a very close friend of mine right and uh i'm thinking that next episode marco we should really have her on here to co-host um an episode because i think our listeners would be interested in hearing a bit more about this mysterious ethereal amanda that we continually talk about sure i think it'd be great she's often making us tea while we're on or last week she was uh making us uh, coconut banana bread as we were recording our episode. She's like, by the time you're done, you'll have some of this delicious bread, which we did have. It's Uh, true. So we'll ask her and we'll see if we can get her on uh, for the next episode. So stay tuned for that, folks. Now, Nidhi, you and I were um, thinking about how people index books and magazines because... When I was growing up, we had to learn the Dewey Decimal System. And I remember mentioning it to um, a younger friend of mine, and they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was saying, well, when you go to the library and you... And he's like, no, now we just type it in the computer. But there was a time where you would look in index cards for the book that you wanted. And it was called the Dewey Decimal System of indexing, how they used to index those books. Do you remember that at all? I do, Marco. I, I remember using that in um, the library for grade school projects and even for high school projects even though I think by the time I graduated high school they were starting to get more and more into indexing on computers essentially but I do remember and it it was a very complicated system I remember it not being very intuitive in terms of looking for 
what you needed to get. I, I think there was a series of numbers that represented different subjects. So, for example, if you wanted something in science it, with the Dewey Decimal System, it would be under a category of numbers, which, of course, I don't know at this at this moment. But um, it's amazing how that has sort of disappeared. It's probably still used within the library system. But now, if I want a book from my library, I just go online. I type in the book that I want. And I can have it delivered to my to the closest library near my home, and they will either call or send me an email when the book is there for pickup. I'm curious, you know, I'm curious to hear from some librarians about if the Dewey Decibel system is currently being used, and if so, how it's being used. Is it something that they're completely uh, has has it been completely phased out from? Um, uh, reference libraries, sure. etc., or is it something that has kind of taken on a different form? I don't know. That would be an interesting, uh, interesting conversation. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find out from a librarian. So, if there's a librarian listening uh, who would like to sort of give us insight or perhaps come on our podcast, send us a tweet at Listen and Sleep, and uh, we'll figure out the what happened to the Dewey Decimal System now. Nidhi, how do you index things in your home, like magazines or books that you have, that you currently have? I am, uh, I usually, you know what, I have to say, when it comes to books, I don't have a particular indexing system. Okay. So I'm not... Do you have a shelf that you put them on, or is there... I do have a shelf, but it's kind of a mishmash. I see. Um, I'm not a very good indexer that way. Like, I won't look at my bookshelf and say, okay, all magazines like it like a magazine subscription doesn't sure. have to go from january to february like in in sequential order mm-hmm. or i don't necessarily um put my books by author or topic right. i'm a little bit more abstract that way sure. um but i do notice that i index things on my computer okay like if things are not sorted in the right right files and i think you're a bit like this too mm-hmm. um I feel like it gets cluttered and it really well, bothers me. It's interesting you should say that I've become much more organized after watching how you organize your computer system. And I find that I uh, am a bit of a folder or like a mini tab whiz, if you will. And uh, I think I get that from you. Um, with regards to magazines, we try in our home after a certain amount of months to get rid of our magazines by not throwing them out but what we'll do is we'll often take them to the doctor's office or there's a nursing home near us and we'll go and donate them the only thing i recommend for anyone who might be donating magazines if you get a subscription to a magazine oftentimes it'll have your address um on a little tab of some sort or like on a sticky that's on this on the actual magazine or some magazines will print your address and what I recommend is if you have a black permanent marker to go over it a few times so that it saturates the address until it it's blacked out that's really interesting Marco Marco tell me about a time when you really looked at like that moment where you're like boo this is complicated math. Ooh. It, outside of school, would you say? Either or. Okay. Uh, I've never been really strong at math. Um, 
but you know sometimes when you're uh, figuring out your accounting for tax purposes and you're looking at various um, you know things you can claim and whatnot oftentimes uh, here in Canada we have to pay HST and I have an HST number so with the HST number which is a harmonized uh, sales tax that is on some of our goods for people who are listening outside of Canada um, and uh, I'll have to figure out the HST for my taxes so that whatever HST that I pay for business can then come back to me and um, sometimes that can get a little bit complicated I find that accounting for taxes I enjoy that math and I enjoy doing it and I have a very um, interesting system where I file in an accordion folder and I put all my receipts and I separate them and then I'll separate the receipts between business expenses and non-business expenses and from there I have a, another book that I transfer all those numbers together, add them up, I meet with my accountant and then go forward from there. How about yourself? What's your accounting system or a time when you found math to be really tricky? Well, I actually ended up doing health sciences up until university. I did not know that. Yeah, oh. yeah. So I did uh, uh, stats and I did advanced calculus and uh, I couldn't do that again today because I do not remember most of what those classes were about. Okay. But I remember thinking, this math is, is quite difficult, right. especially when I was doing calculus too and things like that, derivatives. and um, Isn't that like on the calculator where there's all those little buttons that you never use if you have a, a mathematical calculator like cosine and whatnot? Is th are those things you would use in those classes? So the sine, cosine, et cetera, I think that's trigonometry. Okay. So that's, I think, high school, first year, you know, I think it's high school, actually. Sure. Um, and that's all about angles and about, um, like, triangles. And sure. Kind of is developed from the Pythagorean theory. Pythagoras. Yes, Pythagoras, Pythagoras yeah. exactly, if I remember correctly. Um, but calculus was really about, like, breaking down a formula and um, trying to find... Uh, like what the um, root of that formula was about. You needed to do it in order to get into medical school, etc. Oh. Um, Is that something you were thinking of getting into? I was. Oh. I was thinking of being a doctor. That's I so quickly... interesting because if you if you speak to Amanda and I, we often this debate. When I was thinking of going to university, I was thinking of going in for. Uh, Medicine? Medicine as well. Mm. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. No, not yeah. at all. No, so I think um, after taking calculus, and quite frankly, after taking organic chemistry, I think once I took organic chemistry, I said, I don't think this whole medicine thing is for me. Well, there you go. So. Had both of us gone into medicine, we would probably not be doing this podcast today. So it's very good fortune for our listeners it's true who enjoy uh, the insomnia although project. we might be actually looking at the medical side of insomnia i um, was hoping to get into cardiothoracics that's what uh, i that was sort of my goal was cardiothoracics and then my life turned a different direction and i got into the arts and i enjoyed that and it's funny how we both wanted to be in medicine and then we mm -hmm. both 
ended up going for the arts. Well, what's funny, and we talked about it this off the top of the show, is that I have very steady hands. Mm. And so I don't remember if that played into why I wanted to go become go go into medicine and possibly become a surgeon, but that, you know, would play into whether or not I could become a surgeon. Have you ever um, played in your, uh, as an as an entertainer, as an actor, have you ever played a role, like a medical role before? Oh, that's a great question. I once played the second officer who uh, was the second officer who was an engineer flying a blimp. So that was the closest to, um, and I don't know if this, this was an actual person, who flew this blimp, and I was the second in command in flying a blimp. That was the closest I've come to any sort of any sort of medicine, medicine or engineering. But one of my dream roles would be that of a surgeon. Yeah, I remember I used to watch that show, ER, as a kid. Yes. In university. That's the one that that sort of put George Clooney on the map. Yes, yes, and uh, I used to love it because. I thought I was going to be a doctor, an emergency room doctor right. like them. And uh, that wasn't to be. However, I quite enjoy my life right now. So. Sure. Well, there you go. At least you're not sort of in a ER no. dealing with the patients there. Instead, you're doing... And using math. And using math, which yeah. you, you didn't really enjoy, it seems. No, I was... I had a friend who became um, an actuarial mathematician. Mm-hmm. And I still have no clue what that really is. You know, it's funny. I have two friends who are actuarians. Really? And I don't know what they do either, but I know it involves a lot of math. A lot of math, a lot of exams. They had to take like seven or eight exams to become an actuarial mathematician. And I know there's really busy times for them. Because when I talk to them, it's like, oh, this is a very busy time for my actuarial services. Well, you know, we've talked about getting a librarian on the show. Maybe we need to get an actuarial mathematician to break this down for us a little bit. That wouldn't be a bad idea. If you know an actuarial mathematician, feel free to direct them to us. And we hope that this episode has brought you to a very lovely slumber. And if not, and you stayed to the end of this episode with us, we want to thank you and to welcome you and invite you to subscribe to the Insomnia Project on iTunes. As usual, we're broadcasting from Toronto, and you can find us online at Listen and Sleep. It's been our pleasure to host this podcast for you, and next week we will have Amanda Barker joining us um, to discuss all sorts of things to put you off into a slumber. <laughs>